Welcome to Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there is Steve. Hey. Uh, today, uh, we're kind of we're kind of mourning the loss of a, a great of the modern weird fiction scene, uh, Joe Pulver, full legal name Joseph S. Pulver Sr., uh, passed away recently after a so the protracted illness. Gotta ask if you know what the senior's for. Uh, no, I don't. Okay, because as, as, as far as I know, there's no Joseph S. Pulver Jr. Who knows? As far as I know. I mean, ne- never asked. The information was never forthcoming. So, didn't. That's just what it says on the cover. Right there. Somewhere out there, we have Joseph S. Pulver Jr., possibly. Possibly. That anybody, anybody can take that as their pen name, maybe. Yeah, I know someone who kind of wants to. Anyone can wear the mask. <laughs> Anyone can wear the mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we are kind of taking a two-part retrospective of of Pulver's writing. Uh, today we are looking at King and Yellow Tales, Volume One. Uh, this was published by Lovecraft Easy and Press. Uh, also weird. There was no volume two. Maybe that will be written by Junior. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. Uh, this anthology is 2015 was the release. Yes. Yes, it was. Now, this is a, kind of a career retrospective of his King and Yellow Tales spanning uh, from the late 90s to the mid 2000s. Uh, 99 or yeah, 99 through 2012. 20- 2015. Uh, nope. The last story in here is copyright 2012. I don't know. My copy says all other tales and poems copyright Joseph S. Pulver Sr. 2015. Uh, yep. Says that right down there. I didn't compare the this page to the to the table of contents, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so Rodney has the actual physical version of this. I have an electronic version. Yes. Uh, yes. Now, I will say one thing about the quality of this version. I've had this maybe since uh, 2017, maybe, and it looks and feels like I've had it for like 30 years. Almost smells like I've had it for 30 years. Mine smells like an iPad. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Scented iPads, the next generation. Um, Joe Pulver was primarily known for his work in the mythos of Robert Chambers and his King in Yellow. Uh, and this is a fairly fat collection of King in Yellow-related stories. Yeah, it's pretty long. Now, for those of you out there who are Cthulhu mythos fans, uh, Joe Pulver was once quoted as, there are no damn tentacles on my King in Yellow. Yes, I suppose we should preface this with saying that these are King and Yellow Tales, not Haster Tales. Correct. So, uh, at some point in the history of the King and Yellow, there was a split. Um, a lot of people put it at at a Jerlis door, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, the King and Yellow was subsumed into the Cthulhu mythos. And became a like first cousin once removed Cthulhu or something like that. Maybe his roommate. Who knows? Um, but has a similar kind of thing going on with uh, 
Alder Alderban, Alderbron, mm-hmm. um, and the the Lake of Holly in, uh, instead of Rilia and Carcosa and all that crap. So um, it's you know August Durlith, bless him, mm-hmm. <laughs> was um, very derivative, uh, and a lot of the Hasner mythos um, is based on that. And the other half of this, where it was kind of taken back, I guess, mm. um, the, the King in Yellow was taken back by other writers, such as like James Blish um, and Carl um, Wagner, mm. um, who concentrated more on the Chambers as King in Yellow, the, the play um, and the, the results of, of um, reading that play, the characters in that play. Um, yeah, so there's no tentacles. It's more um, the divine madness of the artist. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I believe in Pulver's book there was maybe seven actual canonical King and Yellow stories. Five of them by Robert Chambers. One was River of Night Streaming by uh, Carl Edward Wagner. And I've, I think Blish might have been like the, the final one. More light. Yeah, more light. Yeah, well, more like is the second act, basically, of right. the play. Right, and those were the stories that he considered the definitive King in Yellow canon. Everything else was either uh, cor- mythos corruption or something else. Although I would say there's a certain degree of Pulver stories that really should be King in Yellow canon. We know he wasn't going to say that about himself, <laughs> I'm sure now that he's passed, a lot of people are are rushing to to uh, make make it canon. So now this this book is challenging. That is an understatement. Uh, it's it's not challenging necessarily content wise, but Pulver's writing style uh, at once is prose and poetry. It is uh, expressionist. Uh, it is grim, it is brutal, and also with a like dusting of romanticism. Yeah, I think one of the um, influences, I guess, that um, hadn't been mentioned mm-hmm. in in any of this is William S. Burroughs. Yes, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cut up type work going on here. Yeah, so it's very reminiscent of Naked Lunch and the Cut Up Trilogy. Um, And while I really enjoy William S. Burroughs, it is difficult. Um, And like Burroughs, Pulver takes difficult concepts um, and things that are disturbing and hides them in the stream of consciousness of his prose. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're kind of being assaulted um, from all sides when you're reading this, because you're, you're, you're concentrating on the words themselves. Cause you gotta, you gotta dig for meaning in this, because if you don't, it's word salad, you really gotta like concentrate on, on the words on the page. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing that, all of a sudden you're talking very adult themes. Yes, uh, we you you can over the course of this particular collection, you're you're taken into the tortured mind of poets, poets, artists, lovers, 
and musicians musicians and then you'll flip the page and you'll be taken directly behind the eyeballs of a serial killer yeah um and and the what links them all together is they are all under the influence of the king in yellow or carcosa or or that just this ominous doom that kind of hangs over all of these people now one of the things i did enjoy about um especially um the the ones about like real freaky madness like serial killers and right stuff, right um is there isn't the king in yellow doesn't show up and tell them to do stuff right <laughs> okay it's more along the lines and i'm gonna say it it's more along, along the lines of the first season of true detective where it's a background influence and you don't know whether um these people actually are influenced by carcosa and the king in yellow and and casilda or if they are just mad and that is their focal point this is um, true. And, and i think that's what really sets a lot of these stories apart as opposed to something that's Lovecraftian, where it's a wink and a nod. Oh, does it really exist? Mm-hmm. And you and you know the the conceit in the story is yes, it does. Right. This is way more vague. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you there's know, more it, mystery involved. Exactly. Uh, you you have to the reader actively has to decide for his or herself whether or not. Um, for example, Carl Lee is a raving madman, or if he is actually um, under the influence of of this yellow madness. This yellow madness. Uh, I, I'm going. I'm going to go out on a limb. Episode, didn't you? Do what? <laughs> Just got the title of the episode. Didn't uh, you? Something like that. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's it's definite. Um, yeah, I, I think. I think it's written in such a way where you can take it or leave it as being, you know, just, you know, run of the mill madness or, or supernatural influence. Well, I, I, but I think, I think that, that it's intentionally meant to mean supernatural influence more, but more kind of behind the strings, you know, pulling on it. It's not, I read, you know, unnecessary, you know, unspeakable cults or something like that. And this happened. It's like there is a, a certain spark inside someone's mind. That is the influence of Carcosa and giving it as a segue, the, the yellow sign itself, you know, people are drawn to it without even knowing what it is. So it's, it's almost kind of like, Uh that's, that's your cue to go into the Kirby thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> like the anti-life equation. Yes. <laughs> sorry, we were talking about this the other day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pulver, by all rights, was a Pul- huge fan of Jack Kirby, yeah. Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange. Pul- Pulver's King in Yellow shares a lot with uh, Jack Kirby's Dark Side. Mm-hmm. The old, the old gods and the new gods are one and the same. Yeah, there, there's actually, especially earlier on in in the uh, collection, mm. there are a couple times where they're talking about the influence of the yellow sign, and I'm sitting there going, "God damn, that's Jack Kirby." 
Yep. <laughs> That's Jack Kirby right there. It, it is. It is. It's, uh, you know, the King in Yellow is, is at times Dark Side, at times Dormammu, you know, with, with Casilda being Clea uh, for yeah. Doctor Strange fans. And yeah, I mean, you know, Dark Pulver often talked on social media, particularly when Doctor Strange, the film, was announced that, you know, it's not going to be worth shit if Clea's not in it. So he's, you know, he was a huge fan of that, that era of Doctor Strange. Right. Actually, Doctor Strange was wasn't pul wasn't Pulver <laughs> wasn't Kirby. <laughs> Sorry, that was Ditko. It was Ditko, yeah. But, the, I but, thought, I mean, but uh, that's part of that same era, though. That right. is that that well, not Dark Side. Dark Side came later, but yeah, when Kirby was like with Marvel hitting on all cylinders, Ditko was there. Um, yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the to the point where some of the descriptions that he gives seems right out of uh, some of some of the uh, the artwork. You know, it, it, the rainy city is at once odd angles, like you're watching the Cabinet of Caligari, and but it, if you look closer, there's all these little intricate details. And yeah. You can definitely get the crackle in there. Actually, if you read those old Doctor Strange, like uh, like even before it, he was in his own book when he was sharing it with the Human Torch mm -hmm. in Strange Tales, um, Dicko it was phenomenal at creating these just psychedelic landscapes mm -hmm. that that have menace. Yes, and and, and and Carcosa is such a psychedelic landscape. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Um, and, I, and I think the key to getting a lot of the, um, the stream of consciousness stuff in here is to harken back to Kirby, harken back to Dicko, and kind of uh, view it through that lens. Um, so there you go. In a way, um, Pulver has taken... You know the next generation um, after uh, after Chambers. Mm -hmm. You know your beat writers, your comic book writers, um, and incorporated those guys, updating it for people like you and me, <laughs> right? Who, who I grew up with with comics, and later later uh, William S. Burroughs before I ever read Chambers. Right, right. I mean, I went backwards through time. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Really, uh, but but Pulver, you know, had had a great ability to, uh, I, I guess, just translate that for Generation X for for people who grew up with that mm -hmm. that stuff. I, I agree. I agree. Um, also, the other thing that you need to know about Joe Pulver to to truly appreciate any any of his work, he had epic. Epic facial hair. Uh, he had epic facial hair, but uh, he was also the undisputed heavyweight champ of weaponized punctuation. Yes. Um, many, yes. many stories that you'll read by him are uh, laid out as poetry would be, where you have some one line be on the left side of the page, one line's on the right side, one line's in the center. Uh, he'll have a complete sentence broken into 16 sentences. Yes. Uh, a lot of parentheticals. He, that's the cool thing. He'll take two sentences and kind of jam them together. And one sentence 
is contained within the other using parentheticals. Mm-hmm. It's 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 very clever. Right, right, and it it takes on a really unusual cadence if you read it with you know make sure you include the punctuation long pause and an ellipsis short pauses at periods and you'll get sentences that are like that and then he'll have words that run together yeah um i've heard is a challenge to edit him a lot of that um layout is very reminiscent of screenwriting or script writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uses it to his advantage. Uh, there's a couple of these stories in here that are, um, I guess, extensions of the proposed King and Yellow play. Right, right. Several of them read as though they could be the second act itself. Or, you know, part of the second act. Or part of Or the sequel. Or, or, or the <laughs> or third the... act. <laughs> um and it, it's interesting oh, go ahead i was gonna say or a prequel our <laughs> prequel but um yeah there's also you know it'll go from standard font to a bold font and then all yep. caps um and i believe that yeah it, it's the influence of the play itself that that creates the writing style that goes along with this it, you know I, I i read the play and now all of these, everything that comes after it is like the play. Right. And I think those particular stories are what makes you in particular think, or, you know, believe that um, the influence of the Yellow King is definite. It's the context of having those in there because they're not, it, the way it's everything's uh, spaced out in chapters isn't, chronological like you would normally do but it's it's spaced out to kind of punctuate to to kind of have the the events i guess of or the aftermath of the play um reminding you to just being there to let you know um that it that it is influenced i think if you read something um on its own without the context of the rest of it it's more up in the air as to whether or not you have actual influence of of carcosa but in the context of the of the book as a whole i think it's a lot easier to say oh yeah it's definitely there because the next thing you read is a conversation between the king in yellow and uholt right right it's almost it's almost that you want to believe that the king in yellow is a real thing and it was affecting Pulver himself, the composition of these stories. Which is also a very fucking Marvel Comics thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a member of the Merry March Marvel Marching Society. Blah, that was a lot to say. I mean, they used to have, like, like a lot... Remember they used to have um, the Fantastic Four visit the Marvel bullpen? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's, that's totally a, a, a Kirby thing. <laughs> so... There you go. <laughs> I mean, Pulver, it's like, it's subtle, but it's definitely in there. Yeah. If you if you know what you're looking for. Right. Um, th- there's all sorts of influences in here that if you know what you're looking for, you find them. Um, also, another interesting fact about Joe Pulver stories is they often include a soundtrack. Yep. 
Uh, Pulver was notorious for listening to music while he wrote, and the songs that he listened to often became footnotes to each of these stories, as if uh, the true experience of reading them has to be done with the songs that were that were you like almost like they're scored. It'd be kind of funny if he also put um, that, like uh, volume and issue numbers for the for the the comics that he was thinking about while he was writing it as well. Fantastic Four twenty six, smiling stand or something. <laughs> smiling stand. X-Polver. Remember that in Doctor Pulver fifty eight Remember, remember that in, in uh, Strange Tales number twelve. JP, X Pulver, explanation, explanation, explanation. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what I will say though is this is uh, we gave ourselves two weeks to to read through King and Yellow Tales, be because of Pulver's writing style, and the fact that he does not pull punches when it comes to grim and gritty. Um, it is there. There's a lot of times where you'll read a story and you'll be like, "God damn, that was bleak." You know, washed out concrete, bleak. Yeah. Well, even like some of the ones that are a lot less bleak mm-hmm. eventually get there. Right. Right. <laughs> but I was thinking specifically the, the one, My Mirage. Which is one of the more um, approachable stories. Uh huh. Um, From a casual point of view. I, I, well, no, I say that because um, a lot, a lot of these stories are more mood-inducing, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to um, straight narrative. But this one takes that that uh, mood-inducing in- ability, pairs it back. And puts it in with a straight narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning, it kind of, as the characters progress or degress, I should say, uh, so does the the narrative, right. uh, which is also very clever. Uh, but it almost seems like because because he used the uh, first person perspective in this mm-hmm. story that it was almost more personable, and he used real people's names uh actually it seems like uh portraits of ruin which is one of his other collections uh one of his earlier ones uh was used in that story meaning that implying that the narrator is himself and uh yeah. long which, which, hanging out session with david lynch which means that that uh, you know pulver also is not afraid to implicate himself as an as a uh, scum of the earth, either. Right, right. Yep. Definitely. Which is, you know, that's a brave thing to do. I mean, if you think about that, that's really brave because most people want to portray themselves in the best light possible. Right, right. And in my mirage, he doesn't uh, portray himself as being any different from any of his other narrators. No, um, I mean, in, in a way, you can just say, like, in, in that particular story, Joe himself was was maskless. Mm-hmm. And and it also kind of lends credence to a hypothesis that uh, the King in Yellow is an actual entity. 
and, and influences <laughs> Pulver himself. Right. Well, he's gonna he's gonna go to uh, Central City, find a find a, a, a community theater, and um, meet the guys who write his life. <laughs> oh, he's already he's met the guy that wrote his life. All right. Uh, yeah. So this is this is a definitely a must-have collection uh, for for your shelf. That's uh, good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. It, it it really crosses the boundaries between all these pulp influences and quote unquote high art literature. Right. Uh, so yep. It once again that is King and Yellow Tales Volume One, Joseph S. Pulver Sr. Available from Lovecraft Easing Press. Uh, you can get this on Amazon. Uh, I believe that might be the only way you can get it. We'll have a link in the description of the video. That is, yeah, that's how I I, I got it from Amazon. So, uh, yep, that. Uh, so you can get the you can get the e copy from Amazon. You can get the physical copy from Amazon. I will I will recommend getting the physical copy over the e copy. Normally, there's no preference, but the physical copy. You know, is this kind of pale yellow color with a variation of the original King and Yellow artwork on the cover. And, you know, it's an excellent book that also looks good on your shelf next to Robert Chambers. Right, and it'll age 30 years in three years. That's right, that's right. This is the, the King and Yellow. Excuse me while I read the second act. All right, and that does it for us this week. Join us next week where we continue our look at Joel Pulver. Uh, by looking at uh, three individual stories. And we'll tell you what those are when you tune in next time. But until then... Keep 30 luck points. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Keep, keep your anti-life equation. <laughs> <laughs>